Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So he was like, you need to take it easy on yourself. Like, look how long you've been running the business for. Look how much you've learned already. Like, this is just another lesson. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's a great point. Because leadership can look very glamorous, but it's actually not. And so I think that being in a position of leadership, as you said, grace is important. Patience okay. is important. And just the willingness to adapt and learn are also incredibly important. Hello, and welcome to the Wannabe podcast, a behind the scenes look at the opportunities available in the creative and entertainment industries, so you can get to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. I'm, of course, your host, Imriel Morgan. Thank you all for taking the time to check out the episode with Lauren Curry last week. Be sure to check out Stride if you're interested in levelling up your leadership skills, which I'm sure you'll want to do after this episode. Today's guest is Jamelia Donaldson. Jamelia is the founder of Treasure Tress, Europe's first and largest natural hair product discovery box. Jamelia is a force. She's an accomplished speaker, podcast host of She's Obsessed, and she's the co-creator of the Teen Experience Personal Development Workshops with Simone Powderly. In today's episode, you'll come to understand what it means to become an entrepreneur and to run a business that makes it to year four. Jamelia shares how she developed her business and leadership skills without a formal business degree. And we talk about the startup ecosystem and how to navigate the inevitable changes to you, your business and your team. Let's go. Who did you want to be before you became who you are today and why? I really thought, well, I don't know, I had a lot of different careers in mind. Um, and I always thought that I was going to be highly career driven, which I kind of am. But I know that over the past month, it's really made me realise how important family is. Um, and I was actually listening to a podcast earlier and a lady said that she would only measure success as far as it didn't compromise her family life. So she was career driven, but she wasn't willing to compromise her relationship with her family. And when I heard that, I thought, oh, actually, that's actually me now. So previously, maybe even prior COVID, I was like super career driven. Um, But now I've just learned to understand the beauty of balance. So to answer your question directly, Jamelia before was like highly career driven, probably measured success by like accolades and qualifications. But I grew out of that quite quickly. And Jamelia now is very much focused on appreciating the beauty of balance, contribution and service. Oh, that was so succinct. Uh, <laughs> no, that sounds really nice. I really love that. The kind of idea of prioritising family and relationships. That's something I've also had to come to learn more so recently, where we're just like working, working, working almost to the point of burnout for me I was burning out a lot yeah and realizing that I wasn't like catching up with my friends catching up with my family and it just led to like just feeling so drained and empty and like what was all of this for so (laughs) I guess it's quite nice to see that that's echoed in someone else's experience not just me we're not alone in this at all is there anything that you know now that you wish you knew then when I started yeah when you started in year one 
Maybe like I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, wow. I think I wish I knew then how much it was going to take me to develop into the person that I need to be in order to grow the business to where I want it to grow. Mm. So at the beginning, I thought when you start a business, you just focus on the business, do the right things to get customers, keep your customers happy, keep all stakeholders happy. Um, but what I didn't realize is that your business is only really as successful as you are as an individual. So it requires for you to grow in order for your business to grow. So anytime when I felt friction in business, it was because there was a personal lesson for me to learn or like a personal lesson that I was trying to resist. Mm -hmm. So I think when I first started, I thought like the individual and the business are two completely separate entities. But now I've come to learn that oftentimes your business is a reflection of you not in all capacities, not in all ways, of course, but to some extent it is. So I think I wish that I knew that the two would be highly correlated when it comes to my perceptions of success or how well I'm doing or how smoothly things are going. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. They do say often that, you know, it's also with teams when you come up with like a startup team, they usually say that the team that you have at the start isn't always the team that carries you through to the next phase and you're kind of going through like seasons of growth which require different skill sets different mindsets different traits different knowledge experience and yeah I guess that of course that would naturally have to apply to you as an individual and as a leader I think that's a great point that you just mentioned and what I said isn't exclusive of the fact that the importance of the team is paramount but I just think that I underestimated how much it was going to require of me <laughs> as an individual. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, 100%. The, like, morphing of the team and the changing of the team is something that I'm still learning and still coming to grips with and wasn't expecting, if I'm being honest, because I thought, yeah, this is the team we're going to have forever, but that's mm. not how it works. So I think that's also something that I'm now learning. In what way is it that, like, some people have just outgrown their roles or just don't have the skill set to progress? Like, what have you learned with regards to the team? To be completely honest, the lady that I hired first left the team uh, February. And that for me was like, wow, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening because I thought this is the team that we were going to have forever. Yeah. But then it also made me realise that no, that's not the case. Um, the demands of the business change. Like what we set out to do at the beginning is still what we're doing now, but we're actually doing so much more. And as you said, the skill sets need to match the requirement. So yeah, for me, it's just learning that I think one of my friends even said to me this week, respect to the ecosystem of life, like people are going to join, people are going to leave. But as long as you stay focused on who you're serving and what you're meant to be doing, then you'll have peace with it. So I think for me, it's just learning that there's going to be cycles, there's going to be changes, but all is well and it's all going to work out for the best. Yeah, that's probably the best attitude you can have towards it, to be honest. But I definitely know what you mean about starting off with like a great group of people, a great team of people and feeling like this is family like the, you guys are like my ride or dies and then that like just moments shifting yeah and that completely just rocks your world like it's happened to me twice in the course of running two businesses and yeah just being completely always shocked <laughs> when things kind of <laughs> when things start to change I'm just like what do you mean this is happening like I haven't learned that that's just part of the process um yeah. but I guess yeah coming to terms with it is like learning how to do that conflict-free, learning how to do that with grace. I completely hear that. It's tricky to navigate, for sure. Another um, thing my friend said to me, which was quite useful, actually, was that there's no perfect blueprint for leadership. 
like no one knows how to do it perfectly and the only way that you can really learn is for experience so he was like you need to take it easy on yourself like look how long you've been running the business for look how much you've learned already like this is just another lesson and I was like yeah that's that's a great point because leadership can look very glamorous but it's actually not and so I think that being in a position of leadership as you said grace is important patience is important and just the willingness to adapt and learn are also incredibly important yeah I agree um I guess I'm curious about your background in terms of education and experience when it came into running the business because I guess whilst we talked about not knowing just how much it was going to require of you personally did you find that you had to take on additional education or take on new like basically learn new skills and how did you go about learning those new skills especially things like the more intangible things like leadership um, development and I guess more of the mindset upskilling that you'd have to do to run a business? So I decided to do the international baccalaureate instead of doing A-levels at sixth form, just because I've always been really passionate about travel and I didn't want to limit my career to just one country. And I understood that the IB was internationally recognised. So I decided to opt for that, which consisted of us doing seven subjects instead of three or four, which was extremely intense, as you can probably understand. Yep. (laughs) But with that, When I got my exam results, I was really disappointed to learn that I was two points short of um, the requirement to do the course that I wanted to do. So instead, I decided that I was going to do business and international relations. And I only chose international relations because it consisted of the word international and I love to travel. And then business, I just thought I could learn it quite quickly. So why not? Not because I had any plans of really starting a business. And then once I was in university, I decided to make the most of my summer holidays. So one summer I went to Uganda and volunteered for a month. And I think that just taught me really good life skills, people skills. And then the next summer I went to Beijing for a month to do a marketing internship. And then straight after that, I went to New York for just over eight months to do entertainment PR and fashion PR. And again, these were just all experiments to find out what I enjoyed and what I wanted to do. Because I think one thing that we don't realise is that you don't really know what you want to do until you know what you don't want to do. Yeah. So after I had done the PR internship, I was like, yep, this is not for me (laughs) because it just wasn't suited to my personality type. Like going out seven days a week, I was exhausted. Like my energy levels were so low. And I realised as a person, like I can be a socialite for one or two days <laughs> but then yeah. I need five days to recover yeah and once I learned that I was like okay cool that's not for me but I did enjoy certain aspects of it so like I did enjoy like the sponsorship pitches I did enjoy client meetings I did enjoy event planning and that kind of thing um at the time I didn't realize that these were things that I was becoming passionate about but now looking back retrospectively and looking at my career now I can see oh okay this is where I learned that and this is where I learned that mm-hmm. so once I finished in New York I came back to London having interned for a year with no pay whatsoever. I needed to earn money. <laughs> so I yeah. applied for a internship in financial services and I didn't really know if I was going to get it, but I did study really, really hard for the interview and I'd done really well in the interview and I got the internship for a month. The pay was good. So I was relieved to finally have some money coming into my account. Yeah. And then after a month, they asked me to stay for three months and go to university a little bit late. And I agreed because I was having a great time. 
And then they offered me their graduate scheme. And I was like, yeah, why not? Um, most people really struggle to find careers after graduation. So this is a good opportunity. So I'd done their grad scheme for about three years. But by the second year, I was starting to get an itch of like, oh, this isn't really what I saw myself doing. And when I was looking at older women in the organisation, I was like, I've got a lot of respect for them, but this is not the life that I would like to live. So I was like, mm, no, something needs to change. But while I was in New York the years before, that's when Birchbox first popped up, Dollar Shave Club first popped up. And there were also subscription boxes for literally everything. So that subscription box idea kind of came from, I let it lay dormant for a while. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And then while I was at work, I was like, no, I should actually just get started on this. So I actually launched Treasure Trust while I was in full-time work. And wow. when I say full-time work, full-time work, I mean full-time. <laughs> As in, I was waking up at 5 a.m., working on Treasure Trust for two hours, finishing work at 7, coming home, working on Treasure Trust till about 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, and then doing it over and over and over oh again. Oh, my God. As you can probably hear, it's just not no. sustainable. It's not a great idea, but it was a necessary evil that I had to undertake in order to get it off the ground. So it got to a point where I was having anxiety attacks about going to work because I really didn't want to go and I was equally exhausted and drained. And so I literally just made the decision. I was like, Do you know what? I'm not married as yet. I don't have any kids as yet. So I've got no major commitments. I'm going to take a risk on myself now. Um, if I regret it, then that's fine because I've got really good relationships at work and I made sure that I protected those relationships when I was leaving. But I was like, I just want to take this risk. I just want to see what's going to happen. So I quit. And then the next month, we lost quite a few subscribers. I think it was just the time of year and the patterns that we still see today. But then it was also the first month that I wasn't receiving mm. a paycheck. And having worked in financial services, I was used to a certain amount of money. So to not receive any money, I was like, <laughs> wow, <laughs> I'm really doing this. But I think it definitely gave me the drive to just find a way to create the life that I want and build a sustainable business at the same time. So that's pretty much my education slash professional career. You asked about leadership yeah. skills. And I would say that a lot of what I've learned has literally been through reading books and listening to podcasts. Amazing. Do you have any books that you return to and podcasts that you constantly revisit? Yes. I really like Lewis Howe's School of Greatness podcast. I also really like Good to Great as a book. Profit First is one that I'm on. I'm reading it for like the third time while we're on lockdown, just because I think it is absolutely essential, nice. especially now. And then 
the main oh there's quite a few actually Outwitting the Devil was a great book for me um, and it definitely helped me with the transition from what I was doing before to my career now as far as just helping me understand fear what fear is made of and how you can actually be the driver of your life rather than interesting I Shoe Dog was also really really good for me just seeing like the peaks and the troughs that companies go through like as consumers you never ever see but it was comforting to hear a first-hand experience of a really successful business. Nice. That was very thorough, actually. So thank you. And I hadn't heard of some of them. So I'm quite keen to get stuck into some new books because I need some stuff on my reading list. Um, Something that I didn't mention, sorry, as far as like what has helped me. Mentors. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> how many do you have? And how do you manage your mental relationships? One or two right now. I'm always on the lookout for more. As far as managing relationships, I've had quite a few in the past, some formally, some informally. Now I'm more drawn to informal mentorship, like literally just having relationships with people that I can learn from and that I can Mm -hmm. also exchange information with. So I can be of value in their life, they can be of value in mine, so it's reciprocal. But obviously Sharma Dean Reid was one of my earliest mentors. That was very transformational for me because one, she's a black woman, two, she's a young black woman, And three, she's always Mm -hmm. extremely transparent, which means that she actually allows you to learn from her mistakes, which I think is important. And I don't think enough people do that. And then how I found my other mentors, it was actually a coincidence. One, I met at an airport and we literally started talking about a watch that I was wearing. And it turned out that he was in the cosmetics industry. He owns a soap company called Soapbox Soaps. And we literally just continued speaking from there. And he was like, look, let me know how I can help. And then he offered to introduce me to someone else who's now someone that I'm really, really close to. So, yeah, they were kind of just organic, which I think is the best way to find mentors. I know that it's really frustrating to hear, but the best way to find a mentor is not to (laughs) say, hey, can you be my mentor? (laughs) But, yeah, I think just building organic relationships with people and just understanding that everything in life is an exchange like yes we started speaking about the watch that I was wearing and yes he said let me know if you can help me but I've also helped him because he's now entering the hair care industry and particularly has particular interest in the natural hair industry so of course yeah I'm helpful to him there so I think it's just understanding and appreciating the time yeah I agree I would say I collect mentors like Pokemon like I most of the people that I would call a mentor probably don't know that I call them my mentor I think that's the best Yeah, so they're just people I will catch up with, have chats with. Some of them I would even, like, say, count as friends now. Yeah. Where they are just, they're a little bit further ahead. They've progressed in ways that I have not yet been able to progress. Or they just have, like, a skill that is just so valuable or useful to one aspect of my business. It's never like, let's sit down every month and have a chat. Like, it's never that. It's more as and when we just want to catch up. And yeah, I think you're right, like having those kind of informal relationships. And I guess because you're building it so organically anyway, it doesn't feel strange to be like, oh, I'm having this problem. I want to know your thoughts because it's natural, (laughs) as opposed to kind of this like very structured way of being. And I think there's probably value in both ways of doing it, to be honest. But I've also found that generally an informal mentor relationship has just worked better for me. And I've been able to kind of learn and grow from loads of different people at different times. Yeah. One thing um, that is quite good about you is you are very good at personal branding how much of your time goes into thinking about what you're putting on your own personal pages and how has that been impactful in growing your business 
what has been the result of that and do you think it's important? I think it's 100% important. People always want to know who's behind the brand. And for me, as I mentioned, like one of the reasons why Shamadine was so helpful to me, it was because of the one-to-one conversations that we had. But I think even just observing the way she moved in spaces, the relationships that she built and the way she navigated her career, I think that was really, really helpful. So for me... I don't plan content, which I try to get myself to do, but it just never works because something always comes up. But what I always do try to do is just make sure that I have something to offer or like I've got something Mm -hmm. to say. Sometimes it's just a stream of consciousness and my grammar is terrible. My spelling's terrible, but it's literally just because something's come to mind and I want to get it out. But I think that's pretty much it. But learning how important it is to be transparent about who's behind the brand has been transformational and I even do it myself like if I see a brand that I think is nice online I'll be like okay cool who's the founder and then I'll try and find them out and then if it's someone that I can connect to like for some reason it just elevates the brand Mm. in my mind and I'm like oh no yeah I really like this girl I'm definitely rooting for this brand I'm definitely gonna buy from there and I think as black women and given the history of black owned businesses I think it's really important because black owned businesses do have Mm -hmm. a bad rep and they're definitely starting to change now but I think just, I think even as customers, like having someone that you can hold accountable to if the business doesn't sustain what it says it's about. I think that is key and that's crucial to customers as well. So I don't know if that answered your question at all, but I try to just, um, I've got like photos in my phone that I take anyway. And I'm like, do you know what? Today I realised this or today I learned this, let me share it and see if it helps anyone. And it's also great to look back because like I often scroll back through my feed and I'm like, oh, my God, I remember when I took this picture and I know what was going on behind the scenes. And I'm so grateful that we actually made it possible. Oh, that's nice. I guess it's like a personal archive then in that respect of learning gra- moments of gratitude, moments of excitement. Sometimes I I do that too, like just scroll back and be like, oh, my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I remember that day and I look at the caption, I'm like, that had nothing to do with what was happening, but at least it's there. But yeah, I definitely can, I can relate to personal branding being impactful to brands and companies. I think it definitely does add a layer of authenticity to a brand. I always have to remind myself that this actually is not about me Mm. at all. Like me posting a nice picture wearing a nice outfit is actually not about me. It's to grab the attention of younger girls so they can actually read the caption and be like, oh, wow, like this is what's going on or this is what I can learn. And I think it also helps people have positive conversations about you without you being in the room. It also keeps people up to date with what you're doing without you having to announce it, which means that it also attracts more opportunities as well. So I wouldn't ever underestimate the value of literally just sharing what you're doing. In the moment. It doesn't have to be an essay like my questions are. <laughs> it can be short and sweet. Thank you. Um, okay, so a final question. What is the best advice you've ever received and the worst advice you've ever received? The best advice that I've ever received is don't take advice from someone you wouldn't switch Ooh. lives with. Which I thought, oh my gosh, this is what I needed to hear. Like Everyone has advice and anyone that knows me personally knows that Anytime someone asks me for advice, I'm like, listen, I'm not going to give you advice. I'm just going to share my experience because like everyone's life is so personal, so unique and so intricate. How can you advise someone on what they should do? Like you don't know the full context. You don't know what they've been put here to do. 
So how can you then tell someone else what they should be doing? Like that just doesn't sit well with me. And I always just revert back to when I was scared to leave my corporate role. And so many people were like, no, don't do it. Do you know how long it took me to earn what you're earning, blah, blah, blah. And then I actually had to say to myself, okay, look at their life. Is Mm. that the life that you want? No. Okay. So then should you take their advice on board? You can be respectful by all means. And of course, there's something to learn from everyone. But I think just having that at the back of your mind just allows you to just take everything with a pinch of salt. Um, So, yeah, just practicing discernment from who you take advice from and who you don't. And just taking it back to that very basic principle. Would you change lives with this person? If not, then okay, you can say thank you for the advice, but you can leave it on the table. And then the worst advice I have ever received was, they were like, yeah, your business is great. It sounds good, but it sounds like it's quite limited given that it's so niche. So perhaps you should open up your subscription box to include all women with all hair types. And at that moment, I said, you know what, you're not the person for me. (laughs) So I just disregarded that because, no, that's not what I had to do. Thank you so much, Jamelia. This was great. Ah, how great is Jamelia. Make sure you follow her on Instagram at Jamelia is obsessed and her amazing brand at Treasure Tress. Her feed is pure inspiration and delight. Be sure to check out her podcast. She's obsessed as well. We've pulled some amazing quotes from the episodes, which you can reshare via Instagram and Twitter. To get extended show notes listing any of the tools and resources we've talked about on this episode, visit wannabepodcast.com. This podcast is proudly a Content is Queen production. Much love, as always, to my talented producer, Ellie Clifford, who pulls these together week to week. And thank you for listening. Until next time, bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.